city's been so quiet since the boys in green went back. But it only took them three months to put Porton on the map. Yes, the stadium's never heard the sound of cheers in all its years. When the players come on the field, the thousands singing in their ears. Green is the colour, soccer is the game. We're the Portland Timbers, and winning is our aim. So let's give all of the boys a cheer for the Portland Timbers will be here. Well, today's guest is yet another player who first came to the U.S. in the 70s to play and ended up staying here to build the game. When professional soccer returned to Portland in 2001 after a decade break, he was at the helm, leading the Timbers foray into the A-League, which culminated in winning the 2004 Commissioner's Cup, the last one in A-League history. I am pleased to welcome Bobby Howe. Bobby, how are you doing? Doing very well. Uh, thank you, William. Look, looking forward to having this conversation with you. Thank you so much. I'm pretty, uh, when I talked to you before about, um, I, you know, when I was writing the Clive Charles essays, I, I was excited because I thought, well, there's more here. There's, I want to come back to this. I want to talk to you and hear about your journey. So I'm happy you're here. Um, Bobby, you. I'll go into a um, longer introduction because um, I want people to get a bit of your background and then we'll get to the questions if that's all right. Yeah, of course. Perfect. Bobby was born in Chadwell, St. Mary, England in 1945. He played his youth football for West Ham United, winning the 1963 FA Youth Cup over Liverpool. He put in 75 appearances for the senior side of the Hammers, also winning the London Fives in 1970 with Timbers legend Clive Charles, a 2-1 win over Tottenham in the final. He put in 100 appearances with Bournemouth from 1971 to 1973, and eventually signed with the NASL Seattle Sounders in 1977. Howells with Seattle as a player and coach through 1983, and his trophies include conference and division championships and two soccer ball, excuse me, soccer ball runner-up achievements. In 1993, Howe coached the U.S. Under-20 Men's National Team in FIFA World Youth Championships, where the team featured former Timbers assistant and interim head coach Miles Joseph. From 2001 to 2005, Howe was in charge of U.S. soccer's education for coaches. In 2001, when professional soccer returned to Portland after a little over a decade drought, Howe was the head coach for the first five seasons coaching the Timbers to the 2004 A-League Commissioner's Cup, where he was named USL A-League Coach of the Year. He's consulted the St. Kitts and Nevis National Team and was Director of Coaching at Seattle's Emerald City FC Soccer Club. He has a USSFA license and English FA full badge. He has a list of coaching books to his credit, and in 2015, Howe received U.S. Soccer's Dr. Thomas Fleck Award, recognizing a career of excellence in youth soccer education. He was the director of coaching for Washington State Youth Soccer Association from 1984 until 1996, and he was inducted into the Washington State Youth Soccer Association Hall of Fame in 1995. There we go. That's a great introduction. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. And I, I, I always do this. I know I've left stuff out, and hopefully, you know, we'll get to some of the stories behind those and build through. But I'm curious. Um, you know, if you if you can go back a bit, if you can tell me what soccer was like for you or football, you can call it whatever you want. Uh, it doesn't bother me. Um, when you were growing up and, and as you kind of got into the Academy of Football at West Ham. Yeah, I've, I've been very lucky because um, I've been involved with, with um, in soccer um, all my life, actually, probably from about the age of five. 
um, you know, um, when I was that age, I'd go out onto a, a field that was just in in, the, in front of my house at that time and uh, kick around with um, with with the local kids and, uh, and and loved it from there. We even had you know goalposts and everything. We didn't have to you know throw uh, coats down for goals. We actually it was a real field in front of us. So I was very fortunate in being able to play street soccer on a field. And um, and and uh, and that was that was terrific. And uh, at that time, we used to get pictures or magazines uh, on soccer. We didn't we weren't able to watch um, soccer on the television at that time. And uh, and therefore, so all the all the enjoyment in the game came from that. And then like once a year, we were able to watch the FA Cup final in black and white. So. So those were the areas in which, uh, you know, I, I really um, started to enjoy, you know, playing the game and learning about the game and so on and so forth. And so that amazes me to hear that, Bobby, because I think about how we learn the game and how kids learn the game and through play is a big part of it and unstructured play is another one. But a kid today could pull up their phone or their parents' phone and see how to do something, have it broken down, see highlights from around the world. And you were essentially learning by playing the game, the occasional game on TV, if you went to the grounds to watch a game. But, you know, even some of it was from two-dimensional static pictures. That's right. That's right. That, that's all we had at that particular time. Uh, as I got a little older, my dad did take me to um, a couple of um, professional games. One was at West Ham, where I stood behind the goal. And, um, and the other one was, was at Highbury. Uh, and I did the same thing. The game at Highbury uh, was Manchester United against uh, Arsenal. And I stood behind the goal. And I was, I think I may have been a Manchester United fan at that time. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the great Duncan Ed Edwards was playing in that game. And um, I think he scored a couple of goals against Arsenal. And But that was the last game that... Um, Manchester United played as a team uh, before they went off to play in Europe in that you know that fatal day the the, the airplane crash in which uh, several of the players and staff um, died or, or were badly injured. So um, you know I was, I was able to see Manchester United and Arsenal at that time, and of course uh, at the age that I was at that time, you know it was thrilling. To, to watch a game live it was it was super and so uh yeah that was a, a it's a big moment in in you know soccer history uh, and it's it, i'm kind of speechless and struggling a bit to you know because you saw that the last match before they took off um uh, i want to um, yeah i mean that was just yeah go ahead yes certainly oh no you're good um Feel free to interrupt me anytime you want because I guarantee you're more interesting than I am. Um, <laughs> so, so you ended up at the Academy of Football um, and you played for legendary coach Ron Greenwood. Is there anything yeah. from those days, uh, from the Academy or from playing for, for uh, Ron Greenwood, that you took into your managerial career? Um. I imagine subconsciously. I mean, I think I, 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 my interest in in the coaching side of the game was was because well, I was very interested in the game and the, and 
and, and learning the game and um, and learning from Ron Greenwood and some of the other coaches at um, at West Ham like John Lyle. Uh, John Lyle became coach a little later on, but he was he was a terrific coach. Uh, and Ernie Gregory, who was a who was a, a former goalkeeper of West Ham, he was one of the coaches, the reserve team coach. And then uh, Jimmy Barrett, who was who was a former player of um, of West Ham, there was the youth team coach. So I learned from all of those guys. They all had different characteristics and. Um, you know, and I was encouraged. I think I think Ron encouraged me to, um, you know, to take my licenses, and um, I took my um, preliminary badge. They call it the prelim mm. in England, um, and I actually took it at Highbury. Uh, they have a big, or well, they had a big gymnasium at Highbury uh, be, at one end, and uh, it was taken in there. And in fact, the person that um, that was the instructor was a gentleman called Gordon Jago, who eventually came over to, over here to coach, yeah. and Bobby Robson, the famous, you know, the Bobby Robson took me on my examination for the prelim, and uh, and I passed. So you know, and par- passing it in front of uh, Bobby Robson was actually a bit of a confidence builder, I would say. Absolutely. And then later on, yeah, yeah, and then later on. Uh, I was then encouraged to um, to take the full badge, and which is uh, the full qualifying license, uh, which is actually a two a two week living course, uh, and it was at um, an area called Lillishall in England, mm-hmm. uh, which is in the Midlands, and um, you know, and I did particularly well in that. Um, uh, in in the examination period uh, uh, process uh, at the Lichelle. and um, and from that I ultimately um, I was able to um, uh, attain a coaching job um, as a result of the work that I did um, at that particular course. So that was that was that was great for me. I, that gave me a lot of coaching confidence to be able to do that. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and the okay. coach. I was going to say, and the coaching job that I got was that um, I was encouraged by um, Keith Blunt, who was also, um, you know, a national instructor, and Tony Waiters, who was a, a national instructor at that time, to uh, leave leave Bournemouth because I was I'd finished playing at Bournemouth and doing some coaching there, mm. and they encouraged me to um, become the youth team coach of Plymouth Argyle which was one of the most enjoyable jobs uh, that I had because um, it, it was really a, a, a terrific exercise in junior management. I mean, uh, uh, Tony Waiters gave me the responsibility to completely uh, to work with, um, with the players in all aspects of their life at that time. And that was, that was terrific. Very, very interesting uh, and a and a great learning experience for me. Not only was I teaching, but I was learning at the same time. So that that was excellent. And um, and it was from Plymouth that I actually came um, to the United States. And um, and we can go into that right now if you wish. Um, um, if if you'd like me to go into that aspect. Yeah, go for it. And we can always uh, circle back to some some earlier things I want to talk about before. Okay, so uh, but yeah, but go for so it. So while I while 
Okay, great. Well, so we'll we'll, we'll go back to to my Bournemouth playing days. Um, I, I joined I joined Bournemouth um, uh, in in the January of um, I'm not sure what year it was now. Um, Seventy seventy two, I believe, January of seventy two. I joined AFC Bournemouth, and um, during the period, the first period of time, during the first six months that I was there, Jimmy Gabriel and Harry Redknapp also joined Bournemouth and played for Bournemouth, and uh, I I was there, you know, just a few months before them. And uh, I, I bought a house on a street that I I showed uh, both Harry and Jimmy uh, to the to the street, and they they bought houses in the same area. So we all lived in, within about a couple of hundred yards of each other. In fact, Harry Redknapp lived directly across the street from Jimmy Gabriel, and um, because we lived so close, we took it in turns to drive to training, and uh, we also had a, a local pub that we we from time to time have a few drinks in but always talking about football and um so after after two or three years jimmy jimmy gabriel then came to he was encouraged or asked to come to the united states in seattle to play for the seattle founders um and he was also a sort of player assistant coach at that time when the um the head coach um, of the Seattle Sounders, John Best, um, left Seattle to become the general manager of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Jimmy Gabriel became head coach of the Seattle Sounders and um, immediately asked uh, Harry and myself if we we would come over to um, to work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we decided to do that, and and the rest, you know, the American side of our, our game is, it was the start of that. We, you know, I I didn't come over here to play. Um, I came I came to coach, but I did actually play in two or three games um, at the beginning um, at the beginning of the first two or three seasons because the season in England and the season in the United States slightly overlapped in that the English season finished after the beginning of the American season. So um, they needed me to play. But obviously when um, when the players that uh, we had recruited were able to come over, um, you know, we stepped back into the coaching coaching roles um, at the club. So that was that was really the way we um, we got to the United uh, United States really. It was at Plymouth that Jimmy Gabriel gave me a call and asked if I wouldn't mind coming over uh, for a couple of weeks to visit to see whether or not I, I liked Seattle. And um, I'd been to the United States before, so I, I liked the idea of that. I liked the sort of freedom of living in in the country. Uh, in the in the 70s, it was a, a, a much freer atmosphere than it appears to be right now. And um, it uh, and that was that was encouraging. So mm-hmm. I came over, paid the visit, decided that I wanted to come to Seattle, and um, and obviously um, Plymouth uh, didn't stand in my way. You know, they gave me the opportunity to do that. So um, anyway, long story. That's how I got to the United States. 
Yeah, uh, something interesting. Personally, I'm a, I have a personal obsession with the 35-yard shootout. And an interesting fact is that Harry Redknapp uh-huh. was the first person to take one in a league game. And it was uh, in Hawaii against Team Hawaii. Um, he missed. Yeah. Uh, but he was the first one to ever take one. I'm, did you ever take any of those? Yeah. Yeah, in the same game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're kidding. In the same game. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't miss, but mine was saved. Okay. So what was your, <laughs> what was your, what were you thinking about? Like, what are we doing here? It, um, and what was your style? I don't know. It was stupid. It was, it was stupid. You, you, the, um, a penalty kick, I think, is in favor of the, the penalty taker. Uh-huh. Don't, don't you think? I mean, if you're taking a penalty, uh, the, you know, penalty from the penalty spot, mm-hmm. uh, the advantage is, is definitely with the penalty taker. But when you're taking um, a, a shootout, um, as they called it, the shootout from the 35-yard line, yeah. which is all, which also served as the offside line, it had, it had a dual effect in the game or dual purpose. In the yeah, game. Uh, you, you're only offside inside the 35-yard line. I mean, you know, people were hardly ever offside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it was such a large area. It's such a large area that you were playing in. It was another American version of the game. You know, well, this is America. Uh, we're not going to do it like everybody else. We're going to do it our own way, the American, the American way. Well, the shootout didn't last very long, and um, and and now obviously it's gone back to normal FIFA rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, the goalkeeper saved it. It was it was it was, um, it was very. I thought it was very very difficult to score in a shootout. You'd probably you probably should ask a person that that. That, that took a lot and scored a lot. How they did it and what they did. All I know is I, I went I went for it and and whacked the ball and the goalkeeper saved. It. <laughs> That's great. You know, at least um, they got a shot away. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I'm excited that uh, you're the second person I've talked to who, who was at that game. I was able to talk to Brian Tinian, who played for Team Hawaii and made his. He was the oh, first yeah. one. Uh, but that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I want to go back a little bit. It's interesting to me um, how I'm noticing this parallel movement between as a player you were coaching and there was always coaching there. But something else that's with that is I noticed that coaches at the time seemed to, and I've heard this from other people. I remember, um, I think it was Leo Crowther was uh, with, with Mick Hoban was, was giving him other stuff in the game, right? They were teaching players other skills within the game and it wasn't just coaching and giving back, which was part of it. Uh, but it was also, you know, what happens after soccer? What about your life after that? And that holistic treatment of the the players seems to be something from at least the people I talked to who came through the English leagues in the 70s. Um, is that something that's still done today as well? Or do you think that's something that could be done more with players, uh, giving them something to do after? Because a lot of players end their career in their 20s. I think it very much depends on, on the coaching staff of, of the clubs uh, or uh, now you know the 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 head coach and his or her coaching staff i think uh, it's very very much an individual thing i think some people are much more inclined to do that um i i i like to do that i like to i like to think that i've given um many former players the opportunity to coach given them given them not only positions at the clubs that i was coaching but also giving the uh, giving them the information to help them 
So in other words, encouraging them to go through the licensing programs, giving them supplementary information uh, and, um, and, and allowing them the opportunity to, to go ahead with their own careers. And I think that's very, very important. I think, you know, we, we're here not, not only just to play or, or to coach, um, but, um, but to also provide um, information for other people. So that's how the game goes on, I think. Yes. People, people learning from people that have done it before them. Yeah, and so Bobby, I want to go back a bit too to to a few West Ham questions, if you don't mind. You, yeah, of course. Yeah, so you you've played, and we'll talk about. I want to talk a little bit about the Charles brothers because I think people listening to this know about Clive, but they maybe not so much about John. Oh yeah, oh, um, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. in nineteen sixty three, you won the FA Youth Cup with West Ham, which yeah. alone is pretty amazing. Yeah. And and I think Tony Betts was like the second timber uh, or other, another timber that, that won one in the seventies when he was in Villa. But I'm wondering if, what you might remember about winning the FA youth cup. And it was actually Clive's older brother, John, who was the captain of that side, right? Yes. John was the captain. And uh, there were only two players um, in, in that team. Um, the, that was their final year in youth, youth soccer. That was their senior year. The rest of the team um, were all a year younger. Mm-hmm. So that was that was quite that was quite interesting too. In that we all were able to play in the youth cup the following year. Um, but um, yeah, we the, 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 it was amazing. We played at Liverpool. It was a the, the final was a two legged affair. It wasn't like a one game final. It was two legs. Uh, we played at Liverpool and we were losing. Uh, we lost. We lost that game. Um, two one or three. I, I can't remember what the score was off there now. But we then we played at at, at home. Um, it was an evening game. Uh, e- evening of of the FA Cup final of nineteen sixty three. That was played in the afternoon, and our game was in the evening. And um, at half time. We were still down, and we needed we needed to score three goals in the second half in order to win it, and um, and we did. Martin Britt scored a hat trick, and um, and we won the game. We won the game, and it was uh, that was the most uh, one of the most exciting experiences in in soccer in my life. I think you know it was absolutely amazing. You know, at that age to. Um, you know, to win something like that, and and it was the beginning of um, uh, like a three a three year period in which in which um, a four year period in which West Ham uh, had an influence on um, uh, on both domestic and uh, and international soccer. Uh, the the the, Nash, the first team won the FA Cup. We won we won the Youth Cup in '63. The first team won the um, uh, the FA Cup in '64 against Preston. '65, um, they won the cup, the Cup Winners Cup. Um, West Ham won the Cup Winners Cup. All at Wembley, the FA Cup, the Cup Winners Cup was at Wembley, and of course in '66, England won the World Cup. And a lot of people say, you know, like West Ham won the <laughs> won the World Cup with Bobby Moore, Jeff Hurst, and Martin Peters playing in the in the team, and Jeff scoring a hat trick. So we had like that. That, that that period of um, four years that was very very um, good for West Ham United, very exciting for West Ham United. 
in in a, in addition to um, our win in the Youth Cup um, last year in last July, uh, we had a reunion. Ten years before that, we had the the fiftieth reunion of the FA Cup, and it's hard to think it was like fifty years ago. And and this year, uh, sorry, last year, we had the sixtieth reunion, and uh, you know, and and it was marvelous to see that most of the team were able were able to attend, and that and that was that's incredible. I mean, somebody said at the end of that meeting, which we 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 probably shouldn't wait another ten years to have a seventy. <laughs> but it, Harry, 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 I I think Harry paid for it. Um, um, and you know, Harry's done extremely well, right. uh, amazingly well, as you've probably heard. And um, he uh, he he paid for that thing. It was it was arranged by a, a, a gentleman called Tim Crane. Mm-hmm. Um, at West Ham, who, who's, who's the, the the glue that puts a lot of people and former you know former players in particular together, yeah. and he keeps he keeps in touch and connects us, and and that that that's terrific. Yeah. Um, I get his newsletter, uh, but but he's great. Oh, you do well. Then, yeah. yeah, of course. So you know exactly what he does, and he knows he's got everybody's telephone numbers and email addresses and all that sort of thing. So that's terrific. And um, so we had we had that reunion, and and most of us were there. The goalkeeper Colin McElroy, uh wasn't able to attend. Bill Kitchener wasn't able to attend, but uh, and of course John John wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But just about every everybody else was there, mm-hmm. and uh, it was terrific that we were all able to get there at the time. I mean, it it was very strange because. A lot of those people, I'd, I'd, I'd seen Harry several times, obviously, because I work with him a lot. Um, but uh, but everybody else, just about everybody else, I hadn't seen at all. And uh, and it was strange. Uh, you, you go in there and initially you don't recognize people. <laughs> you know, like 60 years later, it's, it's a bit different. Uh, the, the shapes and sizes and, and hairlines are a little bit different. And... Um, but once you've been talking to them for five, ten minutes or so, it's the same person, and that and that to me is is, is terrific. You know, you're you're actually you actually you're actually back talking to the same person that you used to talk to sixty and play with sixty years ago, and you all had the same memories from particularly the final games, and you know, and that season which was very successful, and uh, so so that would I. I I threw that in there because I think that's a, an interesting addendum to, you know, that youth cup, that youth winning team. Yeah, and I think there are connections as well. You're a, a sounder uh, and a timber, uh, but the Sounders are doing their fiftieth uh, anniversary this year, which could could bring all yeah, kinds of other reunions. That, yeah, that, yeah, that would be that would be fabulous. You know, to uh, to do that. I I have nothing to do with the the current Sounders. The, the only thing that I have was um, is that I really essentially um, brought um, Brian Schmetzer into the game um, uh, in the in in the year that he was eight, you know, eighteen, and just yeah. leaving school. Uh, the Sounders had their their best recruiting year 
deal. I mean, I don't think a recruiting year has been as good since. It might have been. I don't, I'm not so in touch with them. But at that time, it was a we had like six or seven players that <coughs> were signed, and another one that we would like to have signed that decided to go on and uh, become a teacher. Uh, that that actually joined and signed for the Seattle Sounders, um, but un- unfortunately for them, um, they were only at the club one year, um, and then it folded. Yeah. You know the club, the, the the club, the Seattle Sounders folded, and uh, and that and that was a tragedy, really. Uh, and that was like nineteen eighty eighty three. Yeah. And. Um, and that was a shame. And you know what? They were one of the, the the Sounders were one of the one of the clubs that you know at one time tried to play catch up with the with the Cosmos. Mm-hmm. But you could Oof. you couldn't you, you couldn't right. play you know, you know you couldn't. I mean, they were they were a conglomeration and um uh, and all sorts of money. And of course, a lot of the chairman and boards of directors of some of the other clubs were just local businessmen. Um, that that you know were fairly wealthy, but not as wealthy as the Cosmos, and you know only wanted to lose so much money, and they and uh, were prepared to part with some money, and they did, and um, and and that's really the, the reason that the Sounders and other clubs folded at that time, and um, so the, the North American Soccer League um, was was heavily de- depleted at that time. As you know, I mean, yeah. the, uh, the the Portland Timbers were the ones that needed uh, to, you know, as a North American. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, in '83, there weren't many teams to play, and uh, and and so on. So, but I'm I'm pleased that when we were there at the Sounders, you know, we 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 reached two finals in that time. Yeah. We we won two conferences, as you say, at that time. Or won the same conference twice, and then um, and we also also won a, a competition called the Transatlantic Cup. I don't know right. whether you'd you'd heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we won that. It was us and the New York Cosmos, and then two teams from from overseas, and I think Manchester United may have been one of those teams. Uh, but we won it. The you know the you know the Sounders won it, and. Um, and we won it in New York, so that was interesting, and uh, uh, and and that was fun. So that so the Sounders actually, you know, did win some competitions at that time. Um, so I've got a couple more West Ham questions, if you don't mind. But I do want to, while we're right where yeah. we are, ask this specific question because we're sort of here. Nineteen seventy-seven Soccer Bowl. It's Pele's last professional match. It's at Civic Stadium. Yeah, you, you were there with Seattle yeah. because the, you know it was New York and Seattle. Yes. Um, yeah. What an amazing moment to be present in. It was. It was. I mean, uh, uh, you know, there could have only been one better ending to the season, uh, obviously, and that's winning winning that particular game. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we were pretty close to that, um, but um, it was it was a terrific final, and. Um, the Sounders played really well in that game. It was a great game. It was a it was a magnificent game. And um, the the game the the second game that we uh, in which we we reached the final was played in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and it was also against the uh, the Cosmos. It was a game. It wasn't the same sort of game, though. I mean, the first game, the game in Portland, Sounders had a lot of possession, dominated a lot of the game. It was a tremendous game. Uh, but the one in San Diego, um, the Cosmos scored early and then wouldn't share the ball with us anymore. You know, it was one of those. They scored mm-hmm. scored a goal and kept the, kept possession. And uh, you know, Seattle never really looked like scoring in that match. <laughs> And so going back a bit to, to, to my last couple of questions at West Ham, you also won uh, a little-known title called the London Fives, and that was uh, with Clive Charles was playing on that team. And it was yeah. uh, at Wembley. Yeah, that was a, it was that, an indoor tournament, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, Wembley had an indoor stadium at that time. Uh-huh. Uh, they they had some con- some of the smaller concerts were held there in Wembley, but and they I think maybe at one time, uh, years before that, they had an ice hockey team uh, playing in that arena because you know the five-a-side teams were basically played in ice hockey, you know, ice hockey-sized um, courts. Mm-hmm. And um, when we played, there were a few people in that in that team, including Clive, who had Clive had unbelievable engines um, that could that could run forever. And that we we didn't have substitute didn't have on and off substitutes at that time. You know, you you couldn't sub on the fly. Mm-hmm. So you played for a certain period of time, then substitutes were made. But it was a long period that you played. And um, for anybody that's played um, five a side soccer, know that you're exhausted after two minutes. You know, it's it's it's, a, it's an un- mm-hmm. unbelievable up and up and down game. So, but we had some. Great engines on that team, um, like Clive. Clive had unbelievable. I mean, he was an incredibly fit person. He'd win all the pre-season races and all that sort of thing. He was tremendously fit. And Billy Bonds, um, I think Billy Bonds played in that game. And uh, I played in that. I had decent engines. Uh, Billy had decent engines. And, um, and uh, you know, it was, it was a very, very good team that we had. So the last question is this: I, I saw I a video. Who, who oh. the, I, I can't remember the other two players. I, I, I can't remember the other two players offhand. Johnny Sissons played, didn't he? Sissons, I think, was one of them. Yeah. Yeah, Jim jo- Johnny Sissons. Played he was also a pretty fit guy, player. right? Oh yeah, unbelievable, tremendous. Yeah. So Bobby, anyway, carry, carry yeah. on. Yeah, I've I I found a video of you scoring a great goal. I. Think it's against Chelsea, but it could be. It could have been Manchester City, but it was it a was volley. Chelsea. Yeah, I know exactly. The volley. Yeah, yeah. What a what a strike! Right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was a it was a half volley from the edge of the box. Yeah. Yeah, it was a corner kick from Clyde Best. Clyde, yeah, struck a corner from the right wing. Yeah. And uh, I was outside the box, mm. and he just he played the ball just outside, you know, and I just came onto it and hit it on the half volley. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was well, my, delighted with that. My first thought was, yeah, what a what a great hit, what a great goal. My second thought was, why is Clyde Best taking a corner, not in the box? Yeah, I've no idea. It's probably that he was out there already. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he's huge. He was one of them. He was, yeah. he was he was probably out there. The ball was doing so. He put it down and took it. You know. Um, well, that's great. So, you almost had yeah. a second that, that game too on an overlap. That, Yes, right, right. Yeah, I, that was one of the games that, you know, like you have sort of certain times in your life 
that was one of those games, obviously, to score a goal that, like that. And then, you know, so that that was a great memory to have. Obviously, the Youth Cup final was a great memory to have. And then the other one was before that game was my uh, my full debut. I had a debut in 1966 for about 15, 20 minutes against Southampton. Uh, but I played my first full deb- debut um, where I didn't, you know, come off the bench. I was actually starting. Uh, was against Coventry, and that that that's a great memory, uh, also tremendous. Uh, so there's there's some great memories at um, at West Ham. Yeah. And so you come over to the U.S. and you've you've coached through the Sounders. Um... I'm curious how you ended up with the U20 national team and the the World World Youth Championships. You made it out of the group, uh, and a stroke of coincidence, former Timbers coach Miles Joseph, who's a fantastic guy, he played for you and he scored two goals in he group play. He played for me. Yeah, yeah. He scored twice against yeah, he Turkey. Did. Yeah, he did. How was the championship? How was the, how did that well, the, sort of go through? Well, the championship uh, we played in the championship, and uh, there was. Um, uh, Turkey and England and um, God, this was a long time. And one other team that was in our group. We were in a group of four mm-hmm. in Melbourne. I want to say Japan. And uh, was the team? Pardon? I think Japan was the fourth team. Was it? Was it? Yeah. Okay. okay. It could. Yeah, yeah. could it be Japan or, or one of those teams from? Well, it had to be from. Uh, the east and east mm-hmm. east and middle eastern team um so uh yeah anyway we drew we drew the so what we did we won we won the game against um turkey um uh, 6-0 and three of the goals were scored by a player called um i think miles scored a goal in that game um but it was scored by a, a player called chris Fakalaris. Now, Chris Fakalaris, a name like Chris Fakalaris, you know that his background was from um, Greece, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and and you're playing Turkey. So there's the irony, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and then we, they, but we lost, we played well against England, um, but we lost 1-0. And mm-hmm. losing 1-0 in that game, and then we tied our last game that got us through to the next round of the competition. Um, but if we if we if we just tied England, we would have stayed in Melbourne. We wouldn't have had to to travel to play the next round of the competition, the quarterfinals. Uh, we would have stayed there and probably played against Mexico, uh, and uh, fancied our chances. I mean, you never know, but you, you fancy your chances. But but we we go to Adelaide. We play in Adelaide, and we played against Brazil. And, um, you know, I mean, they ended up winning the whole competition that year and were an outstanding team. And, um, and, uh, we played, we played well in the game, but obviously, uh, we, uh, they deserved to win. And they, they went on to, um, to Sydney to the final and, and won the whole competition, Brazil. So we, we, we lost to the, the eventual winners. But you know, so one of the most, one of the nicest times that I had, the most enjoyable times that I had was um, having won that game six nil, 
you know, went that night, had a night out with my wife and it was unbelievable. It was just, you know, just an exciting time. You know, one of those times where there's an achievement that you get really excited about and that was one of them. You know, Bobby, I hear like you've done a lot of moving around and coaching and, you know, you had a lot of stability and really good coaching situations. Um, I'm happy you said that because I think about what a great moment that was. You're coaching a national team for a country you moved to uh, a while ago and you get a share of the moment with your wife, who I'm guessing has, has given you a lot of support through all of this and has been there through not just the the highs, but some of the oh, lows that must have been fantastic. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It, was, it was it was fabulous. And, and what's what's nice for me too now is that several players that I've coached not only uh, in the under 20 team, um, but I also was assistant coach of the under 17s for, you know, for, for like four years, mm-hmm. uh, through, through two, um, world cup competitions and, um, and thoroughly enjoyed that. But, you know, players, players that played for me, I mean, like, um, Greg Berhalter now is like men's national team coach. And um, he he was a he was the captain of of our team uh, in Australia, and um, and Miles Joseph, uh, you know, was was on that team, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's great to see that those two those two players have now become coaches. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not taking credit for that. It's just that it it's just nice to see that they have done the same thing. They've gone on, you know. Uh, uh, in their coaching career and have done well enough to be, uh, to be coaching either professional or national teams. So that's great. Yeah. Um, I'd like to detour just a little bit and ask about how you came to uh, consulting St. Kitts and Nevis. Oh, okay. okay. So um, when I, I left the Federation um, uh, and, and the Portland Timbers, uh, I was coaching here in uh, in in Seattle, uh, Emerald City FC, and um, one of the one of the guys that had, had coached for me when I was director of coaching uh, with Washington Youth Soccer Association, uh, Dave Chesler, was now temporarily coaching at the Federation. Um, so he, he was he was doing a job that I had done for some you know for for four or five years with the federation, and um, he he had heard of this job uh, coming up and and was asked by you know by the uh, St Kitts uh, Federation if 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 there was anybody that he could um, would or anybody that he would recommend to go over there and work with them uh, for a month uh, to help prepare them for the, um, for the earlier games of the CONCACAF tournament. What they did is they played, they played some games before the big boys like the US and Mexico and, and all those, you know, the, the bigger teams mm-hmm. got involved. They got, you know, they, so they, those, those were the prelims. They got them out of the way. So what I, I so what um, Dave Chesler asked me to do was to go over there and work with um, with the players and uh, and see if we can get, 
put together some sort of organization uh, to prepare them, um, to take them to the next step of the CONCACAF tournament. So, so it was a, it was a, it was a smaller tournament. <clears throat> the big, biggest problem that we, that we had, I was there for a month. My wife came over with me, um, and for the first two weeks, and then she was going to, you know, come back because it's a long time for her to be away. So, um, and the weather was absolutely magnificent. It was like a great holiday for her, and it was it was like a semi semi holiday for me because some of these some of these guys I was I was coaching had jobs during the daytime, so we had to do the training in the evening. So that was you know that was really good, and uh, the weather was magnificent, and she had a great time, and then then she went on her way. So the next week, well, particularly the last week that I was there, uh, there was torrential rain and uh, you know a, a tropical storm, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was actually it was it was dangerous to be out there walking, let alone driving your car or anything around there. I was given a car to drive, uh, but it was it, it was extremely it was extremely dangerous, and um, the 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 game which uh, St. Kitts got knocked out, they weren't good. They weren't, they weren't great. And the, and the players weren't dedicated. I was, I was the most dedicated person there. And I was there, I turned up early for training, always early for training and so on and so forth. And they'd sort of stroll in at their, in, in their own time. You know, it was like no urgency or discipline. You know, it was typical of Caribbean type, um, easygoing attitude. <laughs> And uh, so, anyway, we during the competition, we got to a stage where we needed to win a game against Trinidad, and um, uh, the, the, it was raining so hard that um, the game should never have been played. Uh, and in any other circumstances, it wouldn't have. The game would have been called off. And played at a later date, uh, but there were several dignitaries from Concacaf that were in St Kitts at that time to see the games, and and they they wanted that game to go on because they wanted to get out of town. <laughs> they right. wanted to go back to wherever it was they lived, and uh, so the game was played because they wanted the game to be played. Um, it wasn't down to the referee. The, the referee would have called the game off. I mean, it was it was like a it was torrential, uh, you know, rivers on the pitch and all that type of thing. Well, we knew that the the the, the rain was getting worse as the game went on, and um, and if you won the toss, you had a good chance of winning because you basically kicked with the tide. You know, <laughs> during right. the during the the first half of the game, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> one of the captains said to me, "What way should I? What way should I? What way should we we kick in the first half? I said, kick with the tide because it was only going to get worse, <laughs> and uh, we lost the toss, so we lost the game basically, mm-hmm. and um, and that was it. We were out, and uh, but I, I had to remain for a, a couple of days because there were. Some flights cancelled. I mean, it was that bad. There were flights cancelled and all that sort of thing. There, so, uh, 
So my wife had a good time. <laughs> and, and I did for the first week. But the second week, I was not only on my... I couldn't go out anymore. I was stuck in a hotel room. And uh, and in a hotel. It was... It was it was not good. It was not a good experience. Well, it was an experience, you know, let's put it that way, but right. not necessarily great. Yeah. And so, um, and, and the coach, the coach, go ahead. No, you're, you're good. I was going to say that the coach of the team was a really, really, really nice man. And, um, you know, I wanted to leave as much as I possibly could, um, for him to say, I mean, he was the head coach and I was there just as a, an assistant to him to help out. But, you know, I, I had to dig into some of the players at, at one stage or anything. Cause they're just, they're just the attitude was so, so poor. And the, and the, and the, and the, the, uh, the chairman of the board of St. Kitts was a great guy. Uh, and the coach was a great guy. And, uh, and, and the chairman was brilliant. I mean, he, he did everything he possibly could to, um, to make this thing work and go ahead. And so the players, you know, the, the weather and the players and the, the powers that be in, in the Confederation definitely let him and St. Kitts down. It was awful. So, so you went back. So that, you, was, that was, that was, that yeah. you, so from that you went, you went I back. Did, you, oh, go ahead. Oh no, no, I went back home, but you know, I came yeah. back, um, to uh, to Seattle, um, yeah. So before uh, I want to talk some about the Timbers, but I also want to. You mentioned um, that you were, I think you were in Chicago at this time, right, with U.S. Soccer when you were in charge of coaching education. Um, yes, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about about that job and I, just the idea of, that there was, you know, a, a focus on coaching education, which is huge. Um, what was that job yeah, like? And yeah, then you ended absolutely. up coming back. Right? I did. I, I, um, I, I actually, you know, when, when, um, I was asked to do the job, I thought that, um, this would be, this would be obviously a step up. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd worked for, um, probably 12 years for, um, Washington youth soccer, a job that I liked very much, uh, by the way, it was, it was great. It gave, you know, gave me an opportunity to, um, inject some of my ideas of development and, and so on and so forth and obviously some opportunities to um, identify coaches that would eventually be on the staff so that that was tremendous um, but obviously when you're asked for the federation to take the top top job um, then um, you know, I, I felt it was something that I had to had to take and um, and and I went to Chicago. My wife didn't didn't come with me. She didn't fancy going to Chicago, and um, so she she stayed here. And I I was able to come back, you know, um, every now and again. Um, but it wasn't like you know flying from you, you know flying around Europe. It was it was like it was like flying from London to um, Moscow. It was like you know flying from Chicago to Seattle not a short trip it's like four hours so it's a long trip every time but anyway i thought it was a sacrifice that i should i shouldn't make because i wanted to have the opportunity to impose not impose it's not a good word but to to teach and to you know um provide some of my ideas for the you know other coaches in the country 
and developed a, a, a system um, like an ABC system. You know, you you start at this level, and, and this level is particularly good for coaching the younger players. And and then, you know, if you wanted to become a, a, a professional coach or a college coach or a coach of a of, of a senior club team, um, you know, it, it'd be a good idea to have your A license. And uh, so we we did it that way. Um, so there was like a, we started off in the federation, started off with the C. In in the state, we started off with a, an F license, a D license, and then the C, the B, and the A. And um, and there, it was a, it was a, one was a stepping stone to the other. And um, you know, um, I, I I thought that was a, a really good a, a, a really good way, and um, and I was very pleased with the work that we did there. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, uh, in the federation, the the team the teams department, the team management, the you know national team management department, um, started off in um, in Chicago in an office, but then moved out to um, California uh, to be involved in a situation where they had fields and. You know, I'm going. Well, that that's really what what um, my position should be doing. And I had, I had two or three conversations with the with the the powers that be, and said, "Look, you know, I I really feel that this is something I should, uh, you know, my department should be doing." And uh, and they went, um, "No, yours is really an office job, where you're directing from an office." So I'm going, well. Not the way I've ever directed before, you know. <laughs> I like to be out there on the field and coaching and, you know, coaching the coaches and coaching, you know, giving demonstrations of how to coach coaches in a coaching school. And um, and there was one one time um, I was out in um, in Florida with Clive. Clive was at that time coaching the under-20 team at that time. Uh, and they were they were preparing from for a world championship in Australia. I think they, theirs was in Australia. I'm not 100 mm-hmm. percent sure, but for a world championship anyway. And uh, Clive asked me if I'd go out there and, and do a couple of sessions and look at the players and and all that. And I thought that's great. I'll do it. I didn't feel that in my position. Now I had to ask permission to do that. So I went out there and. Coaches club. When I got back uh, on the board, they went, or some people on the board said, "We don't know what um, you're doing out there in Florida had anything to do with your job." And I went, "Well, um, I really shouldn't be here." <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, and and I'd, I'd spoken to Clive during that period of time, and. Um, he said, "You know, we've got." He said, "Portland Timbers are, are, are going to coach. Are going to need a coach fairly soon." And um, and he put my name. He asked me if he wanted me to put uh, his, my name in for the Portland Timbers job. And I said, "Yeah." And I think really it was mainly Clive and Clive's input to the Portland Timbers at that time that. I got the job 
uh, I, I think that he, he basically said, well, he, this is the person that can do this job. This is the one that should do this job. And um, I think that you should um, you should hire him. And they actually did. You know, they hired me. I went and I, I interviewed for the position. Unfortunately, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd left the Federation. Um, and, um, you know, because there's, there's no way that I wanted to remain in Chicago. You're, you're working out of an office when... That, that was ridiculous and um and, and didn't uh, and had a different opinion as to what the job took yeah. so uh, you know so the rest now is that i went to i went to portland but I, I went there pretty early in proceedings um you know probably six months before i was in the job six months before the season started and um you know and um and was fortunate enough to have uh jimmy conway and um you know, and and Jim Brazo mm-hmm. working. Jim took the goalkeepers. He was the goalkeepers coach, and Jimmy Jimmy sort of coached with me with the with the first team. But unfortunately, during that period of t- during the period of time that we were there, it was very evident that the club didn't have too much money. They you know they they wanted to they wanted to do a job and uh, and be extremely successful. But they certainly didn't have the money. They didn't have the money that the Sounders at that time had, you know. And um, so, uh, eventually, as as we went on with the Portland Timbers, you know, the board at one time asked asked me if um, I would um, do both the the general manager's job and and the coach's job at the same time. And uh, and I went no, I'm not going to do that. Um, you know, I'm a coach, and uh, the general manager's um, uh, risk job responsibilities are entirely different. And uh, and I think they'd they'd ask Jim Jim Taylor to make some concessions and all that sort, and he wouldn't either. So Jim left, and then then. Um, I left the club. They brought me in, and and the the bottom line was, the bottom line was that um, I I'd left I'd left after a very very successful season. You know, as you'd indicated, that uh, you know we'd 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 basically won more games than anybody else in the league. I got coach of the year, and then um, they basically fired me the following year because they didn't have enough money to support the club. And they wanted to get somebody in there that would do the job on the cheap, and um, and obviously that 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 was a failure. Yeah. Fortunately, Gavin Gavin was around um, at that time and was able to, you know, he, he could still play. So you know he was a and he was one of the best players and uh, and he was a senior citizen as a player at that time. So he got the coaching job and um, and obviously the the. From that point, not immediately at that point, but you know, a couple of years later, somebody came into the club with some money, and um, were able to inject a lot of money in the club, and obviously take it from um, a USL team to uh, you know a, a, a USL to to um, to the to the current to its current standard. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back. Um... I want to ask you something. I mean, soccer in Portland was gone for not gone, but at the professional level at that specific stadium was gone for about a decade. 
And so you're walking into yeah. bringing back a sport. I mean, people walk into the to Providence Park now, and it's like at one point there was no soccer here for a, an entire 10, 11 years. You're coming in, Jim Brazo, Jimmy Conway, right. uh, bringing a sport back to Portland. And as you said, with with not a lot of money at the time, but also, um, you know, uh, you don't own the stadium. Baseball's still the, the main thing there. What was it like? Like, what were some of the things you 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 set out to do to start, uh, you know, bringing it back, bringing in players, building the the game here that you know hadn't been here for a while? Yeah, I, I had a pretty good time to do that because I, I arrived um, obviously much early, earlier in the year, a few months actually before the season was was due to start. Mm-hmm. So that was a an, a, an advantage. And uh, there were all sorts of people that were sort of um, introducing um, players to me, uh, you know, sending me resumes of players and and so on and so forth. Um, and um, there were Gavin. Gavin was the most successful. Um, Gavin was playing in Ireland, I think, at the time, and uh, his manager. Uh, he had a he had a representative. That, um, sort of, um, we had, we had a good conversation about what, you know whether or not would you and I, and I saw some video of Gavin play and all that. Didn't have the opportunity or the money to go over to watch him play in, in matches, but I did watch some videos. I got some videos of a couple of other people as well. So we brought them in, and then we had a then we had a tryout. Um, there were a few players that I knew about. Um, uh, already a couple of players that had played for for Clive at the at the university, and um, so uh, so I had I had the basis the basis of a team, um, a few players that I had known through um, through coaching at um, in Washington Youth Soccer. So there were a few few people that I knew, um, uh, but we did we did hold a tryout. Uh, and we held one of those tryouts that was really interesting that um where you put them through a few exercises in a in a tryout and and you can't you can't select a player you can't select a player um other than watching them play in a game <laughs> you know what i mean so mm-hmm. you you have to watch players play in a game a tryout in order to so we had a we had a series of 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 individual skills things that we we did for the that was basically for the press um, and they liked all that they went oh we like all these games that they're trying and all that but you know that you you can't determine a player from a few skills contests um and so we, we, we had a tryout and we got, we had several people looking, looking at the tryouts, uh, the, the game, the match tryouts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we, we basically selected a team from that. So we basically start, we had six months, but we basically started from scratch. And that is not easy to do. That's, and, and now all of a sudden you're putting them in a league. Um, about which you, you you don't really know that much. I mean, you don't really know the standard of the league. So um, so we were going in we we're going in a little bit a little bit blind. We, as I say, we had the opportunity to watch the players in in a in a tryout, 
And then, of course, we had we had a, a, a few weeks of, of training. Once we'd established a team, we had a, we had a, like a month, I think, of, of training before the season started. So you were able to watch them play in training and 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 have training games and uh, you know training situations where you could better evaluate players and. We did. We did. You know, starting from starting with nothing, starting with a blank plate, um, is not very not very easy at all. I mean, most times you go into a club that's already established, where they've, you know, they've fired the manager or the manager's got the the, the head coach or the manager, and he's moved on. And um, but you know, you have an idea of the play, of the standard of the players. This. <laughs> When I went to the Portland Timbers, we didn't have any players. So, you know, I was relying on Jimmy and relying on Clive and relying on other people that were able to, um, you know, give me some input. I'm curious if you noticed anything develop from the supporter standpoint. Um, you know, right now that's another good reputation we have is we people here love the Timbers. Um, and it's a fantastic atmosphere because I, of the people who support the team. But did you see any growth happen in the, the five years you were – Getting it going? Yeah, I thought the I thought the I thought the uh, the Timbers supporters were really good. They were they're really good. You know, some of the home games were were fairly well supported, and um, and obviously um, the the atmosphere the atmosphere as it was at that time. Although the state the configuration of the stadium wasn't wasn't the best, um, but I thought that. Um, I, I thought they were very good. No, nothing against the Portland Timbers uh, fans at all. I thought they were great. What was it? The Timbers Army. <laughs> right, right. Now that is, I don't. I thought, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that's just when it, it got going. Uh, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was very good. Yeah. We. Um, no complaints about that at all. I mean, it was still a baseball stadium, and you know the configuration had to be changed a bit from time to time but uh but um it was it, it was good they they changed the um you know the turf there they changed the turf in the first year that I was there yeah, it wasn't very good they changed it to something else that was was a little bit better um but not it, it was a little bit better. It was new, um, so it was okay. So in the first couple of years, it was good, but um, then they had to change it again to to make it. Um, well, in, the quality of turf now is a, a lot better than it was then, anyway, isn't it? Um, yeah. Quality of astro turf or whatever turf they call it now is a lot better than it used mm-hmm. to be. Still, still can't beat grass. I mean, but yeah, agreed. You know. Agreed. Yeah. So a few more, if you're okay, Bob, yeah, I'd love so, to ask you a few more. Yeah, of course, absolutely, yeah. no problem. I I think something we've we've talked about before, not in this interview, but when I've talked to you before, something that stood out to me was um, the ecosystem in the Northwest. And there was a large period of time between, say, the NASL and A League, even um, where soccer here we have a great rivalry between. You know, you think of the Cascadia Cup, and you should add San Jose to that uh, from the NASL days. But there was a time where soccer was built by actually cooperation, whether it was San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Vancouver joining a league together, um, or even you know sharing players, giving players the opportunity. And I know you and 
Clive probably did a lot back and forth and, and there was a lot of driving up and down Interstate 5 and you add Jimmy Conway to that. Can you just sort of talk about how um, in that time between, say, the end of the NASL and maybe even 2000 when the A-League came to the Northwest, what it was like sort of creating an ecosystem of player opportunity and how everybody worked together? Well, at that time, um, college was uh, was was very important. Uh, that was probably the best the best there was at, at that particular time, especially in in this area. Um, you know, at one time, Clive used to when he was at Portland uh, uh, at the university, he he basically um, called me his chief scout because <laughs> I was I was uh, I was in. Um, both on the both on the girls' side and the and the boys' side, and um, you know encouraged um, uh, players that were playing in um, in Washington youth soccer in their final years of of, um, of high school uh, to go to um, play for for Portland, and you know I think uh, I think Casey was one of those players, Casey Keller. Yeah. Um, he, he was at Portland for a while, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. I, I believe Brian Austin. He was from he was from Washington State. He went to play. Um, uh, he went to play for Clive. And uh, and on the girls' side, there were two or three players on the girls' side that you know we we sent in that direction. And um, and the school was very very successful. Clive was a a fantastic manager of players i think players loved him you know um yeah. and 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 bill and bill you know um also was was doing a fantastic job and and he's still there isn't he you know bill yeah he's um, at um lewis and clark so, college now i was at lewis oh sorry yeah. okay lewis and clark okay yeah. but yeah so um but clive clive was loved by the players he was i mean he was he was loved by Portland, and he and he's a a great a great personality, you know. Very, you know, London sort of an East London, you know, attitude on a lot of things. <laughs> and uh, you know, he was always he, he was very proud of the fact where they you know they where they gave all Clive's inf- information on um, y- y- you know on. Um, you know, they'd hand out uh, game day um, team sheets and and all that sort of thing, um, and it, it all and they'd say the head coach uh, Clive Charles from so and so high school in, in Camden Town or something somewhere like that in London, and um, and uh, I mean he was proud of that. It say it, it, it tongue in cheek, but he was he was proud of the fact that he. You know, he got this far to be be the coach at a university, having just you know been at some sort of remote high school in East London, <laughs> you know. And uh, but but he but he's but he's 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 very very skillful um, uh, in in his dealing with players, and you could you could tell just by going to the school, which I did from time to time to, to have a chat with him and see what was going on. The players, the players really loved him, and uh, and that was excellent. Well, he was quick to give other people the opportunity to 
to run a session. And you mentioned in Florida, but that wasn't an isolated case. He would, you know, let other coaches come. He was it wasn't a control thing with him at all. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. I mean, he he was he was you know confident enough in in himself and his abilities and everything and and knowing the play. Yeah, absolutely. He would allow he would allow coaches to come in and uh, and 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 work with his team. Yeah, brilliant. And so I think also uh, to your work with Jimmy Conway, who did a lot for coaching education and opportunity here in Oregon. You can't say that enough. Did the two of you work together at all while you were in Washington and he was in Oregon and, you know, kind of help build the game at the youth level oh, together? Yeah, we, uh, we, we, yeah, we were close enough that, you know, we'd play, we'd play um, against uh, Oregon at, um, cause at, at that time we, we had what was called the ODP mm-hmm. and, um, and it, that was a like a, a pyramidal a pyramid system of identification. You, you know, you identify players within your within the area, the district that you live, and then you and then you um, you had had competitions uh, of all the uh, districts to identify the best players. And then those players went on to represent your state, and then you play state against state, um, and and that's what we did with Oregon several times, uh, and and then we would then we would play um, universities. Sorry, we'd play against um, uh, Northern California, Southern California, you know, mm-hmm. um, Idaho, Utah. And so on and so. So finally, you built up a, a situation where you you were building this pyramid from individual districts within states to state teams, and then you and then you'd have regional teams. So you'd have competitions where all the all the states in that region would 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 play in a competition to identify the best players in that region. And there were four regions in the United States. You know the East Coast, the, the West Coast, the South, and then the, the the Midwest, and you and then so you would identify each each of those areas identified their best players, and then you went on to play in a national competition, at which uh, you know you had the national team coaches that were identifying players from that to ultimately play in the national team. So it was a pyramid. It was and and actually. It it worked very well. Now, obviously, you know the best method is to have have players identified by professional clubs now, and for those players to go in and and, and play for their professional clubs at a more junior level, uh, and um, and get a lot of their expenses paid for it. So that and that's what happens now, isn't it? That's how national national youth teams are identified now. Right. Is is through um, through the pros. Yeah, when I was coming up in the the eighties, it was so you, had to, so you had to make the state team, and then you had the friendship cup was like your the Nike friendship cup was like your regional chance to make the regional pool, and then that funneled into the national pool. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And then you know, then you know, state coaching directors got friendly. Um, with each other, um, like um, very early doors, um, I was I was very friendly with Dave Nicholas, 
And Dave Nicholas, um, you know Dave from from Oregon, right? Yeah. Was the was the director of coaching for Oregon Youth Soccer Soccer one time, or, or the ODP part of it? And um, in fact, he I think at the, at the beginning he was the he was the head coach of the regional team, uh, Dave. And uh, in fact, I've known him so long now, Dave. I still get Christmas cards from him. He lives in Arizona. Um, so yeah, so you build you build friendships that way. You begin, you know, you begin to, you know, everybody understands the the level that's that's required, and um, and that's how you know that's how you know regional teams and national teams were um, were formed. Yeah. So it, was just, a, it was a okay. it was a long it was actually a long a long process. And involved a lot of scouts at, 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 diff, at different levels, and um, and uh, but as I say, the better level is to, to for the pros to do it. Yeah. So, you know, you've written a, a you've written a few books, and I think even done some coaching videos uh, in your time with U.S. Soccer and even after. Um, yeah. I'm curious about uh, kind of a two part question. Then I just have one more for you, but. The, what's the importance of coaching education to to build the game in the U.S. Um, and then how can any coach, from a professional uh, to even a young age youth coach, make the most out of the privilege of coaching players? I think I think um, I think coaches should always um, take the opportunity to participate in some educational programming. Uh, whether it be um, the licensing program, particularly the licensing program. And at one time in the Federation, we used to have regional um, symposia, um, which you you had to, if you attended a symposium, uh, you attained points. If you were an A-licensed coach, in order to... um, in order to maintain your A license, you had to attend um, a certain number of uh, symposia in a in a in a four year period. So you you got like four points, for example, for attending the symposia, and you needed uh, you needed twelve twelve I need twelve to fifteen points. In order to keep your A license, and if you didn't, if you didn't get, if you didn't get those points for attending those um, those symposia, uh, you went, you immediately dropped it to a B license. And obviously, nobody wanted to do that, so they had you. You know, you you basically had to attend, and and it was good because it was con- it was it. It was done for. Uh, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, the goal. The, the goal at the end of the day, from the people that were putting on um, this continuing education program, wanted wanted to do it just for that, just for people to keep up on their education and keep up with what was new in the game and so on and so so forth. Um, but uh, but obviously, they didn't want to lose their A license either. They work hard enough to get it. I mean, you go somewhere for two weeks and you. 
you work hard on all aspects of the game. It's not easy to take your A-license. Right. Uh, so they didn't want to lose that or they didn't want to do that again. So they would attend these symposia. But but that was great. I mean, it, it was uh, it was good for all reasons, all reasons um, uh, to have these. So, Bobby, first, I mean, you brought you were there when soccer came back to Portland in 2001, which is huge. And when I think about what we have now, those those first years of having you know, consistency yeah. uh, over the last 25, those were essential. And they were even, there were, there were players that played in that system that, that, you know, grew up here and, and needed that. And it was huge. I'm curious, do you ever look back on your career um, thinking about how, you know, where you've played the experiences you've had at a player or even as a coach in places that didn't have a soccer infrastructure or what you've done to develop coaching education and how you built, build the game now, not just in Portland, but, you know, in the U.S., do you ever have those reflective moments where you think back over your career oh, and just think, yeah, like, especially, fantastic? Yeah, especially at my age. And, um, I, yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we're here. Um, I think we're all here for a reason, uh, for one reason or another. And um, I, I look back and, and, um, and look at um, – the, the 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 amount the number of people that I've played with, the number of and the and the levels that I've played at, and uh, and how that's helped the the coaching aspects of my game, and I do know the import the importance of um, attending licensing programs. Like for me, for me for example, I know that I I got um, I was asked to go to Plymouth Argyle to to be their their youth team coach which was a, a wonderful experience but I know that I I got that job because of the work that um I had done to um to to get my full license my full badge in England and it's because Keith Blunt, uh, uh, the assistant coach at Plymouth, and Tony White as the head coach at Plymouth Argyle, were were on that course as instructors, and had seen what I could do uh, in that in that licensing program. So uh, so I think that's important, and um, and over here I know that my work in the A license, I did well enough in my A license to be asked to do. Um, a job with the under 17. So Roy Reese, who was one of the instructors of my A license course in Florida, uh, saw what I had done there and very soon asked me if I would become his assistant coach for the under 17 national team. And I did that for a few, you know, a few years, four years or so. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then as a, as a result of, of my work, in the um with the u seventeens uh i um I was able to become head coach of the under twenty national team so I think that you know you you go to you go to these courses to to attain more not only more information but you're also putting yourself you know, incidentally you're also putting yourself in the shop window you know for um head coaching jobs. Uh, or na national head coaching jobs, or uh, or club head coaching jobs. 
And so I, that's why I think it's so important. You also go to these, you know, uh, I, I've known people that have, have got college, college jobs as a result of, att of attaining their, their A licenses. So I think that that's very, very important. So it's, it's information in on one hand, uh, but it's also an opportunity to move on in the game. Well, Bobby, did we miss anything that you wanted to to say in this? Um, no, I, I don't. Stuff? I don't think so. No, I, I I don't think so. I mean, you know, um, obviously, you know, working working with 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 some people and you know playing with some people uh, has has made a lot of difference to um, to your career, and um, so I think that that's important too. You know the playing for West Ham and playing for Bournemouth um, obviously helped me enormously um, uh, in in my um, coaching career um, so so I think that's very important for for people um, for, for, for young for young people aspiring to to move on in the game I, I think that's extremely important um, and uh, and obviously has given me given me personally the opportunity to um, you know coach at different levels of the game, work at different levels of the game, but also I'm 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 very pleased at the number of people that I've been able to help um, yeah. in soccer. Not only you know help with their their edu their coaching education, but also to help with the opportunity to. Move on and 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 have co good coaching experiences uh, themselves. I think I think that's Im important. And the the other thing that I I think uh, I'm very pleased that I was able to do was to to, to create a program uh, of coaching on coaching levels that dealt with the coaching of you know six year olds to professional soccer players. I think that's important. Uh, and 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 having had the opportunity to do all that, yeah. and the books the books were a, a terrific, um, you know, addition. You know, all the information coming in also gave me the opportunity to provide information in books going out. You know, you know books like coaching the coaching the player. Um, I think is very very important. Thank you, Bobby. I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. Very nice to talk to you and um, hope to see you on the pitch sometime. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. Okay, bye-bye right. now. You ain't got to be 200 pounds or a giant at 7-3 to play this game called soccer, which is growing rapidly. You can hear it on the radio, you will see it on TV. But when the Portland boys appear, you will hear them sing with glee. Green is the colour, soccer is the game. We're the Portland Timbers, and winning is our aim. So let's be all of the boys, let's cheer for the Portland.